0: Hi there, professionals. Thanks for joining me on my new exciting podcast series, Industry Insights with me, DPDS. This series, we'll take a look at stories from entertainment industry professionals from all sectors of the industry. It will be compiled with various levels of experience and we'll really indulge in a journey of their careers and utilize their stories and experience to help influence current professionals in the industry or total newcomers wanting to get into the industry. If you are new here, thanks for joining us. I'm grateful to have you listening. If you enjoy the episode, Please consider subscribing and connect our community across social media. For those that have been here before, welcome back. Here's what we've got in store for you today. Well, hello, hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you might be in the world. And welcome to Industry Insights with me, DPDS, my new exciting podcast series. Um, I am happy and really excited to welcome um, a very good friend of mine it was a colleague as well but now I hold them in high regard as a great friend uh, and they're a wonderful professional uh, in the entertainment industry so without further ado, I'm going to invite them on and find out their stories so welcome Lee Mason cruise director hello how are you
1: I'm fantastic Darren thank you for having me on the podcast
0: Thanks for coming. I know I, I was going to send you an invitation and thought you might just say, no, I'm not interested, but thank you very much. <laughs> I'm very excited to have you on board. Um, I, I know we've spoken a little bit about what this podcast is and it's really about some insights into different parts of the, the industry. Um, and I know you've had a, a great career this far. Um, and you've got lots of different experience. So I'm really excited to share that with um, everybody that's listening um so that's kind of where we're going to go um so we we'll just start off if you can uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself you know what your current job role is in in the industry i know right now we are paused with with coronavirus um but thinking that wasn't happening um you know what led you to where you are in the industry at the moment and, and what you've been doing and what sector of the uh, the arts you're working in
1: yeah i uh, gladly well uh, i've had a really uh long and winding road um thus far in my, in my career. I, I trained in, in theatre, um, a little bit of acting and singing and dancing, uh, and I transitioned through being a, a performer um, to my current role. Uh, I, I currently work as a cruise director for one of the world's biggest cruise lines, uh, for Carnival Cruise Line. Fantastic. So I would say my current sector, I suppose, is uh, the, the cruise travel and entertainment industry it's an exciting place to work.
0: Awesome. And that's how me and Lee do know each other. We, we currently both work uh, in that industry. Um, and I had the pleasure of of managing and, and working with Lee directly uh, on board. Uh, so that was a fabulous experience. Um, and I learned a lot from you as well, uh, obviously being your manager, but also uh, learned a great deal from you. Um, in regards to starting out, I know you spoke a little bit about training and what you did how did you get started once that happened so obviously you did your education and training if you could talk a little bit about where that was and what that entailed um and then how you got started uh, once that was over in the industry
1: yeah absolutely in fact Aaron, this is one of the things i'm most excited to share with um you and your listeners uh, because i had quite a, an epiphany a, a revelation part way through my the early part of my career um without indulging in my my own history too much uh, I loved performing uh, I really loved um, acting and I would try my best to sing and dance to the best of my ability uh, despite that being somewhat uh, limited. <laughs> well, I've, I have heard you sing and actually
0: you're, you're rather good I remember one day I think I can hear a voice somewhere and <laughs> I did not expect it to be you so you can give yourself oh. some credit there.
1: Well, I appreciate that, but there are a lot of incredibly talented people out there. One of which I'm I'm speaking to right now um, that, that do it a little bit better than <laughs> I did. Um, mine's a good party trick, but anyway, I am. Um, yeah, I was pursuing a career as a performer, and I, I worked professionally, so I'm not going to put myself down too much. But there was a, a point where I kind of took stock, and I, I was assessing the challenges that I was coming up. Against and facing in each of my roles and the pressures that I was putting on myself, and I was always worried that I wasn't good enough, or that I was going to I was going to get fired because I was substandard. Um, right. Now I never got fired, just to put it out <laughs> there. And a part, of, a part of that self discovery, uh, I looked at myself and I was like, okay, well, how am I managing to hold on to these jobs if I feel like I'm out of my depth?
0: Yeah,
1: and. The the key component that I identified was um, I was getting the jobs based on my personality and my interpersonal skill in the audition room um, or through the workshop or through the interview, more so than my talent. I was being hired because I'd be a great guy to have in the cast or a great guy to have on the team. Right, um and likewise, when I got a job, maybe um, rehearsals were a little bit taxing, but companies weren't letting me go, not because they felt sorry for me, but because of all of the other things, all of the other dynamics that I brought to to the table. and I think that's so important for people to keep in mind um, that you are worth more than just your talent or your ability, and when you're joining a company or a cast. And there's a lot of factors that people contribute, right? Um, so on that on that self self discovery, I was like, okay, the reason why I'm not getting fired is because I'm good with people. How can I leverage this as being the primary skill um, that I I utilise in my job? And um, at the time, I was working as a part of the cast on a on a cruise line, uh, not my current cruise line. And out the corner of my eye, I saw the cruise director who was still involved in the entertainment, still very much the primary host of the ship. So they were getting that stage time and that time in the spotlight. They also dabbled in a few um, light entertainment bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, But their main function wasn't being a singer or a dancer. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, that's it. That's the direction I need to go. Right, um, and you, you're of,
0: you're a very personable person. So if you if you don't follow Leo, you don't know who he is. Like he, I if I try and walk with him from one place to uh, the other end of, say, the ship or where we are, it takes a very long time to get somewhere in a few minutes because <laughs> you stop and you're so personable. People want to speak to you, um, and I think you've highlighted that that's a real key thing. As you know, you could be the best singer or dancer in the world, um, but if you can't work with people and you you can't. Um, offer those things as well it comes as a package right you need to be able to work with everybody be a great person um, have good work ethic so I think that's great that you've highlighted and and you do that very very well.
1: Thank you thank you yeah and I I think it's it's kind of um, universal that you know it's not just applicable in a a cruise setting but when you look at I mean I'm a big fan of musical theatre and I lived in New York for a while Um, after I'd go and watch a show I would, of course, go to the stage door and just say thank you to the performers, to the cast, to the musicians and stuff. Um, and you see professionals applying what we were just talking about to their craft, even mm. in even in like the theatre industry or if you look at Hollywood or TV, um, those, should we call them stars or professionals, whatever we'll refer to them as, um, They try their best to stay connected with their audience because you're only as good as your as your crowd. Right. Mm -hmm. Whether it's whether it's your guests on the ship or whether it's the the people that are paying to come and see your films or shows. I think without an audience, without people that care to watch you or care to listen to you, you have no value. So you really need to keep those people in the front of your mind.
0: No, for sure. Now, going back to your education, do yeah. you? I, I'm always interested to find out you know how people were set up for success when you're now talking about you know implementing what we just spoke about into the, their career and their profession yeah. uh, was there anything in your degree or your training that you know set you up for that or because i, I find that i talk to a lot of performers um where they may have lacked that it's just been about you know crafting the singing the dancing the acting or whatever they were doing um whereas not opposed to there wasn't a, a training or or a section of the course that looked at you know um, etiquette or or how to conduct yourself um, when when you are a professional. Was there anything in your education like that?
1: No, no, you're so right, and um, that was something that was um, sorely sorely missing. But I think there's so much for students to learn. It's obvious that the focus falls on kind of honing the craft and the skills the tools to do the immediate job yeah. um but there is there's so much to learn it, it
0: do you in think that wider...
1: do you think that would be that's something that should be looked
0: at within the arts within within training and education there there should be uh, you know a foundation or a section that covers those things i mean i'm going to ask you a little bit later on about, a bit more about that but i just kind yeah. of just wanted to see if if you had that in your training which it looks like um speaking with a few but that's something that is lacking
1: no no I, I didn't I think it's something that would be um invaluable however I guess you've got to learn certain lessons at certain points in your journey and maybe if someone was teaching me kind of what would you call it like business craft I guess or professionalism right. yes. um
0: yeah.
1: I think everything comes because it's H, very easy to say, H,
0: you know, uh, be professional. Um, but to some people, like, well, what does that mean? Especially if you're new in the industry and you haven't had a job or you haven't, you know, I know that a lot of the experience you get is from working and you pick that up. Um, but I know for me, when I first got my professional gig or contract, I didn't know what to expect or really how to act. And I kind of spent most of my time looking, watching other people and learning that way, which is great. But I, yeah. I, had I had maybe some information or a bit of training to say you know this is kind of the standard of, of where we're at um you know it, it may have been a bit more beneficial but it's interesting
1: yeah definitely definitely
0: so um you obviously did your training in that so getting into the entertainment industry how, how did that happen for you was it easy what did you do did you have an agent uh, how did you start sourcing jobs or how were you um trying to get yourself you know a, a professional gig
1: Well, I I had a very, very interesting road into the industry because I I trained in New York. I went to the American Musical and Dramatic Academy in Manhattan. Um, I bet they
0: loved your accent. They
1: (laughs) they did. And they spent two years trying to get rid of it. (laughs) Um, But we uh, as international students in in America, we were granted uh, one year visa extension for optional professional training so that was for any work within the industry and i couldn't go work at mcdonald's or starbucks it had to be entertainment related Um, so when i graduated of course manhattan is is a really uh, ruthless place as far as um, people newly newly introduced to the to the industry as far as what opportunities you are realistically going to obtain because there's just so much talent in that city. Um, So I started out with uh, some new writing projects and a musical theatre fringe festival and and just getting small parts, ensemble roles um, and just trying to get my, my toe in the water best I could. So I did that. Um, whilst working loosely on other entertainment-related projects just to survive in the city. But in the blink of an eye, that year was done, so I had to come home. So right. I, I returned back to the UK, and I jumped on a website. At the time, it was called Casting Call Pro. I think it's now called Mandy. Um, okay.
0: So a slight like funny name change. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and so that's basically like a talent directory, Um, similar to star now um, where you make a profile, you list your, your CV or resume, your headshot, and you can, you can look for work and apply for roles directly through that platform. So I got home, I'd been home two weeks and I was just looking at my options. Of course I was keen to join equity and spotlight, but didn't want to get ahead of myself. So I thought I'd try and get some, some sort of foundation of work first and within two weeks, I managed to land a job out in the orca, Spain for a, a hotel chain doing um, their evening entertainment shows, which was a very unusual uh, prospect because there was no daytime duties or anything. It was it was basically like our current production team on the ship, if I'm honest. All we had to do was the shows. Yeah. And um, so I did that for a season, a summer season, returned home. And I thought, oh, you know, I'll keep looking for work before I register with with these um, unions and stuff. And within a few weeks, again, I booked Panto. And it was a fairly small scale um, UK pantomime tour for, for a company. Um, so I kind of hopped from job to job working through the platform of Casting Call Pro. And that gave me opportunities in the UK, in Europe. I, I booked a job in Hong Kong. I spent a year in Hong Kong um, working for an entertainment company out there. And I got that job through, through Casting Call Pro. Um, Right. So,
0: right. So, so
1: very well traveled. I mean, the, the question I think where
0: I'm going with this is, it's how easy is it um i mean it depends on what on what sector and, and throughout this series I'll, I'll be speaking to you know various performers or, or different sectors um of how important say it is for representation you spoke uh, briefly about you know um equity and spotlight yeah um, and for any new people to the industry or, or current profession, no obviously, in musical theater wise, or, you know, television, stuff like that, it's very important to kind of have those because a lot of um, casting uh, will not see you if you're, if you're not registered in that way. But there's this whole other side of the industry, like you've mentioned, where you can source work yourself. Um, you know, and I've I've had contracts where I've you know auditioned myself, got the the, the job myself, but then worked with someone who went through an agent. Same job, uh, you know, same kind of backgrounds, but one then is paying, obviously a fee for that agent helping them mm-hmm. uh, find that work. So I kind of wanted to ask you what you, what your views are on both of that. Are you quite neutral or, or you would be more in favour of finding your own work or or having that representation?
1: Well, as someone, I never actually committed to acquiring an agent, but I think that's because um, I was always open to any sort of work within the industry. I know there are some people that set their sights on, you know west end national tours or television and i think if yeah. you're aiming at the upper the upper tiers of the industry not to make it sound elitist but you know if you are aiming for those big jobs i see the the virtues of representation um and people being able to get your your face out there or your foot in the door to kind of approve your suitability or talent um before the casting groups even. yeah
0: same, I mean, for me, when I, I wanted to do musical theater and I did get that representation, and that really the only way you could kind of get seen was that. Um, you know, tried that for a while for myself, but it didn't. I, I was more drawn to traveling and those experiences yeah. and earning, if not a better ways, unfortunately, than some people doing roles maybe in the West End. So, um, yeah, interesting. So, a question going back then to where before this all began, when you were a wee little boy, yeah, um you know, compared to what you're doing now, what was it you wanted to, to do or be when you, when you grew up?
1: Oh, I mean, my career aspirations, they, they went on a real roller coaster, Darren. Um, <laughs> I remember wanting to be a taxi driver for a while. Yeah. Um, because I wanted to be able to drive my mom places and drop her off and make sure she got home safe. Um, I also, I come from a town that's, its main industry is shipbuilding. So we've got some huge cranes down in the dockyard, and um, uh-huh. so I wanted to be a crane, a crane driver for a while.
0: So you looked at the cranes in, inside of the ship and thinking I wanted to be an entertaining <laughs> the ship. You wanted to drive
1: the <laughs> yeah, I wanted to drive the cranes, um, and then I suppose in my teens I, I was really I've always been um, sort of a creative soul, whether it was performing or artist, um, artist just throw random words out there Lee um, and <laughs> artistically like I used to really like drawing um so yep. there was a little time where I thought maybe graphic design was a way that I'd want to go I currently still have a, a huge passion for photography and I think that's something that I will hold on to into my future and maybe maybe fall back into once I'm I'm done and um, traveling with with the the cruise and entertainment work that I'm doing now um but yeah, it was taxi driver, crane driver, and then maybe a graphic designer. Uh, and then I finally started to work in <laughs> performing arts.
0: <laughs> after all that, after you, you, you drove the car, smashed the crane, drew, drew a few things, you finally went to performing. Yeah. And that's great. Um, think, yes. So first job in the industry, uh, what, was it the, the first job in Mallorca?
1: Was that the, the job? I would say that was my first real, real job, not to discredit the, the fringe work that I did. in in Manhattan. But yeah, I would say uh, working for Viva Hotels and Resorts in Mallorca was my first real performing job.
0: Right. And you already told us how you got that job. So what was that like? You mentioned that you were working in the evening. So did you have um, free time to like go to the beach? What was your kind of day-to-day activities within that contract?
1: Darren, it was fantastic.
0: Um, (laughs) Did did you get a tan?
1: (laughs) Yeah, to this day, uh, it's probably been one of the best working schedules i've ever had um because we didn't start work until about 5 30 in the evening nice and that was six days a week so we'd have a day off yeah and um work started at 5 five thirty in the evening uh, and basically that company had several um holiday resorts on the island of Mallorca. and we were uh, a part of a huge company but we were broken into cast small casts um of, of six and we would each have a little van yeah. and we'd drive out to a different hotel each night um, on the island of Majorca. We would do a, a, an initial like 30 to 45 minute cabaret set. So we would turn up as a team um, set up stools on the stage. Each hotel had its own technician uh, and we'd sing just two songs each, two songs of our choice, whatever we felt like that day.
0: Oh, so you, it wasn't set. You could you could just change what, what you were doing.
1: Yeah, you could pick your material. Um, then we'd take a break and we'd have our dinner at the hotel we were performing at. So
0: all of this was included in, in, in the contract?
1: Yeah, food, even even when you were at home in the daytime, breakfast, lunch and dinner, all included. Amazing. Um, so we'd have our dinner, then we'd go back and perform a children's show every other week. So that wasn't every week, it'd alternate, uh, but it'd be like a 30 minute review of, say, Beauty and the Beast. Okay. Um, and we'd each have a role within it, and very low budget, <laughs> 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 hilarious costumes. Did wear. you were you were you the Beast? No, I didn't. I didn't actually get to do Beauty and the Beast. We did The Lion King. I okay. was Pom Pumb- I was Pumbaa.
0: Okay, hilarious. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> hilarious. Um, I need to see if you have a
0: picture of this. I'd love to share that with everyone.
1: <laughs> and then I also did Shrek, and I was the donkey. Um, yeah
0: totally which, see that happening too
1: which is a treat <laughs> um and then the main show of the evening following that we'd have a little break we'd do the main show um each team would have two shows that they perform um, alternating weeks because the average holiday maker goes on a on their vacation or holiday for about two weeks in europe okay um, Wait, so sorry,
0: and did you did you rehearse in the uk or all put together at, when you got out there
1: that was out there. So we'd fly out to Mallorca. We did about four, four or five weeks rehearsal putting together these shows. And they were like um, 50 minute reviews of either like the hits of Madonna, Michael Jackson, ABBA, the Beatles, Elvis, Grease. Um, uh, they pop, did...
0: Popular music.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very jukebox, very jukebox, all of the classic kind of hits that are, are universal. Across different nationalities, but it was a fantastic life.
0: Um, yes. And now you're kind of still traveling, so I think that's the the great thing about anybody um, that's wanting to be in the entertainment industry. It can open many doors to travel all around uh, the world.
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely.
0: Perfect. Um, so obviously talking a little bit about the, the beginning of your career, we've heard a bit about what you're doing at the moment. Mm-hmm. So during uh, that period, you know, I kind of ask you, you know, what hurdles did you face? You know, uh, were there any challenges like personally you faced throughout your career and how did you overcome
1: them? If I'm if I'm honest with you, the biggest, the biggest hurdles for me regarding and um, performing was always that that sense of imposter syndrome. Um, that I I wasn't good enough. I, I felt that my peers were always so, so much more talented than I was. Right, uh, and I think a large part of that kind of got me in my own way, and and kind of hindered any sort of real growth or development there because I was always second guessing myself and not letting myself just enjoy the process. Right. Um so really the 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 way that i I overcome that was to sit down and just to take stock and be like, "Okay, well, how did I get here? How did I get the job if I'm not good enough? How right. am I still here if I'm not good enough and kind of help the the sort of balance my own sort of um self-doubt by doing the, the, the a balance sheet of pros and cons of <laughs> of me being there. <laughs>
0: um I think that's a, a a common thing for performers, right? Everyone thinks that, you know, we're so confident or performers are confident. And it takes a, sometimes, you know, a lot to get up there and do what we do and a lot of rehearsing and a lot of crafting what we do. And I think I definitely have experienced that throughout my career, too, or may have joined a cast or a show and been like, why am I here? Like, I can't do what they do. Um, and that's, I think you've touched on, can be quite a, a challenge for, for a lot of performers.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. But ultimately, I think um, there comes a point. Well, they did for me, where I looked at my my sort of limitations, and I looked at my my colleagues, and they were really enjoying everything that they were doing. They were yeah. like, lo- they were loving performing, just just performing. Yeah. Whereas for me, that was it was stressful, and I wanted to do a job. That didn't feel like work. Right. And as soon as I kind of made that realization and I was like, okay, Lee, maybe doing the singing and dancing isn't what you're made for, despite you enjoying it and being a part of that community. As soon as I stepped over to be um, like an entertainment manager, cruise director, and host, I all of a sudden understood everything my friends were talking about that they enjoyed the the freedom and being able to just perform all of a sudden I, I realized that enjoyment and that freedom and that sort of, um, that real, almost like taking flight <laughs> 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 to be poetic about it. But yeah, all of a sudden my, my burdens and those worries that were holding me down, I just shed them and I was like, Oh, this is it
0: yeah found 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 neat. yeah and i think that is uh, within entertainment right everyone thinks you say entertainment or entertainer and people just think automatically singer or dancer or something of like there's so many aspects to to entertaining you know you know when you switch on the tv you're watching a news presenter that's enter- enter- entertainment of some sort so i think it's good to highlight that it's such a massive realm of things and yes we can be partially good at some of it but we find a real passion you know for me I I was a singer for decades you know and dancer um but now I found my new niche is is you know managing and and operational and that kind of thing and I it doesn't feel like work to me now because I wake up and I just love it whereas towards the end of my career as a singer and dancer I kind of started to feel a bit like oh I have to go to work and it was not enjoyable anymore so think think as you progress your career you can if you want a you know a lifetime career in the arts you just have to evolve and change and there's so many different avenues avenues that you can go through
1: yeah so many people transition to be choreographers or coaches directors or teachers you know there's a lot of avenues definitely for sure
0: Great. So throughout obviously your career so far, uh, you're only still uh, a baby, a young man, <laughs> uh, so Thank there's you. still many years to go. Um, now, I always think back to a time when someone's been influential to my career and how they've helped me um, to kind of either get to where I am right now or early on in the day. So that's my question to you. Is there somebody that throughout your career has been there for you, you know, and really influenced your career and helped you become you know, the great professional that you are today?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many uh, there's so many people that have had an impact, and I really I make it a point of being able to find those lessons from everybody that I work with. Um, thinking way back, my very first cruise director um, that I worked under uh, as an assistant cruise director was an incredible mentor. Uh, it was a, a masterclass in professionalism. Yeah in, in being personable and, you know, guest satisfaction. Um, Richard Sykes is the gentleman's name and I'm still in touch with him today. Richard was an incredible influence and really, really helped sort of pave the way for me um, to, to grow and progress. And it was under Richard's guidance that I was eventually given an opportunity to, to cover and and to take on what is now my, my current role and career. Um, Also, a gentleman through um, my current company that that you're aware of, uh, James Dunn, um, was a manager, a shoreside manager that was responsible for looking after the shipboard employees within the entertainment department. And James, for me, had such high standards and high expectations which at the time I felt like he was being a complete ball buster. (laughs) Can I say that? Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I felt like he was, he was like overly critical and really like being so harsh on, on me sort of as far as criticizing what I was doing or telling me, do you know what I mean? Outright what I should and shouldn't do and what was and wasn't acceptable. But, in hindsight now, I'm so grateful for those hard lessons that he was teaching me right. because he lays such a foundation of professionalism for me.
0: And how did you feel when you were receiving that, you know, critique or feedback then? Did, did you think back to, you know, when you were studying or in education, it can be quite, uh, you know, difficult when you're training. There's a lot of expectations and you can have a hard teacher. They want the best out of you. How, how do you respond to that? How did you feel?
1: If I'm honest with you by nature i'm I'm a people pleaser, yeah, I'm always wanting approval, I'm always wanting people to be proud and to acknowledge what I'm doing as as being good or you know of them approving of what i'm doing um and that's just who I am as a person, so when he deliver that kind of tough feedback, um I'd be just desperate <laughs> to fix it. To, to meet his approval, because I've always been ambitious. I've always wanted to be, you know, if, if I'm going to be doing something, I want to be doing it to the best of my ability. Yeah. And I want to be a, a front runner. Um, when I worked in, in Alaska, one of the guests had, had gifted a mug to somebody on the team, and it had a motto on it. And it was a joke mug, and it was made very lighthearted, but it's, it's got a message on it that has stuck with me um and it had a like a husky on the front like a a dog sled dog right and it said unless you're unless you're at the front of the pack and it was the dog's face and you turn the mug around and it was a picture of the dog's backside with the tail up in the air so you see all of it and it says your view never changes right and i was just like whoa that's so (laughs) it just resonates with me the you know, I, I always strive to be a front runner rather than just chasing the crowd.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you do that great. Like you, you really, like you say, you are a people person, people pleaser. Um, and you know, to, to tell our, Uh, viewers are listening to this yes you are this entertainer but part of your job is also to lead a team and you you do manage a team um and obviously you influence them right you might have somebody for the first time ever in their their career their first job is with you and maybe you're going to be that influencer what would be your um advice to um performers or someone in the industry or someone to get in the industry um when it comes to getting feedback. Um I know a lot of, you know, within our industry we have a lot of A-list type personalities um, that sometimes receiving feedback can be difficult or egos are hurt. What would be yeah. your advice to somebody coming into the industry or, or in the industry and struggles with that?
1: I would definitely say there are more lessons to be learned in criticism than there are in praise. Um if you're good at something, you know you know you're good at something, yeah. um, and for people to to tell you that you're doing great at something that you know that you can do well is just a massage of your ego. And as as hard as negative criticism may be, um, and you've always got to review the source and review who it is that's saying these things and and what their background and insight is. Yeah, but I do think that there is value in in what some may regard as negative criticism or constructive criticism because if one person thought it and cared enough to tell you I'm sure that there are plenty of other people that thought it that didn't care enough to tell you so sometimes it takes time and I've got an ego as do most people (laughs) in in the industry or that do anything artistic um, you know you care about what you do, but i do i think that there's there's a blessing in that criticism, and you have to be able to step back, process it, and some people take longer to process it than others, but there are definitely lessons that you can mine from from tougher feedback
0: yeah, one hundred percent and I think as you get experience throughout your career like when i for for me when I first started i was obviously very unaware of things that I may have been doing wrong or could have been improved on. Um, whereas a uh, more mature performer, I know what my strengths are, my weaknesses. So I would almost be expecting that feedback if you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, no, I did that wrong. Yeah. I need to do that better. Um, but also, you know, that works both ways as well for me now in the position that I'm in uh, and the same for you is the delivery of that, um, you know, feedback, um, and how that's given also within the industry, um, some people need to, to look at or could address. And I think um, if it's given in a positive way, constructive, um, then like I say, there's there's always set up for success, if you know what I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just piggybacking on the back of that, if there is someone out there that's giving you feedback um, and it feels jarring or blunt or a little hurtful, maybe it's a little too direct or raw, um, maybe that person is is delivering your feedback in that manner not because they don't care but maybe they're trying to shock you into making an immediate change maybe they are delivering you that very raw and direct feedback because they there's an urgency in what they're wanting you to highlight so maybe you feel like someone's been a little bit maybe rude with the way they've delivered feedback Um I would definitely say to try and Step out of your emotional reaction and be like, okay, why has this yeah. person been so direct? And that because it's not always because they hate you, right? <laughs> and
0: it's, I think that within entertainment, you, you, I'm sure you'll agree with me, it can be a blurred line because entertainment is so much fun, and the job itself is all about having fun. And um, you know, the, the type of people, personalities you're working with are could be outgoing and loud. So then, when it comes to giving feedback or trying to make the product or whatever you're working on better, sometimes they're like, oh, uh, I wasn't. wasn't expecting that and i think sometimes that can get blurred within the industry yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. okay great um so moving on um mm-hmm. so we've talked about uh people being influential throughout our career now obviously the the current climate we're in at the moment, um, there are a lot of performers or entertainers, people within the arts maybe doing different things, uh, you know, trying to ride this out until we can go back to the arts full time. Um, Now, there's a lot of common myths around Um, entertainment, I just use brackets with my hands there, Um, jobs (laughs) as being real careers. Um, And I've experienced this recently uh, with conversations. Um, You know, say, oh, I I was a singer, I work on a ship, or I'm an actor, or I've been in a musical theatre show. Um, People kind of okay, like, they don't quite get it. They enjoy it, and everyone takes these things for granted. Um, But they always say, like, when are you going to get a real career? And I've had people say that to me in the past, how have, have you ever had those experiences and how would you go about kind of debunking those? What what would you say?
1: Oh, definitely. I think definitely in working in the, um, I would call it sort of mid-tier yeah. <laughs> entertainment jobs when I was performing um, and now working in travel and entertainment, um, there, there is a, a very, very prevalent perception that maybe it's not a full-time job or a career. Um, for me, as I've, as I've kind of climbed the ranks, people tend to take my job a little more seriously, yeah. um, and, and view it as a career. Now I am a, now I'm a cruise director. I, I don't come up against that sort of stigma as much anymore. Um, why, why do you
0: think people think that? Is it due to education or is it just entertainment is taken for granted so much. And I think during this pandemic, we can see that people have just turned, you know, to Netflix, Spotify, shows, YouTube, whatever it is, and it's just there. Um, do you think it's the education of how that process and how these people become professional entertainers?
1: Yeah, I think it's because it's seen as easy. First of all, it's not seen like hard work right. because it's a passion, it's a vocation. Um, and the mindset of, of the majority of people, I think, is that work is something that generally people don't enjoy. Like, oh, yeah. I'm going to go to work. Right. <laughs> um, so how could you possibly have a career that you enjoy? Um, that coupled with what's what's come about in, in, you know, the last couple of years with the, the talent searches on TV, making um, the, the task of obtaining a career or getting a job like this appear to be very accessible and and easily done by anybody like if you were good you could just go on the voice and get a recording contract or britain's got talent and get in the royal variety show or any of those other countless shows and i'm not putting those platforms down i think those talent searches are great for exposure um, and brilliant for people that have been trying to break through a like a glass ceiling in their career but i do think it's had somewhat of an impact on the perception of working within entertainment as being like a career. Yeah.
0: I think I saw recently um in Australia obviously with the pandemic and everything that's happened uh, everybody was out of work um and a lot of performers have uh, come back from overseas whether they were working on Broadway and back to Australia um and Um, they're about to cast a new show. I forget what it is, but a show there. um, And they've got all these, um, you know, musical theatre performers experienced there at home. And they they went ahead and cast, say, a celebrity, um, which, you know, within the arts, it kind of may have ruffled a few feathers. And, you know, how do you you feel about that? I I think from my side, managing and revenue and all that stakeholder, keeping everyone happy, it has to be a fine balance these days. And I think you know theater and arts has moved in such a different direction we have to keep following that and and move with it and i think that sometimes is the problem that's where what i personally see
1: yeah that stunt stunt casting and to fill the seats was something that was just starting to really come through as i was um hanging up my, my dancing shoes, I guess, (laughs) (laughs) um, but I witnessed from, from the sidelines, but yeah, you're so right. And these celebrities that are coming into shows could be, I suppose, loosely celebrities, like maybe they're influencers from YouTube or Instagram, or maybe they've been on a dating show or like Love Island or something. Um, and have then managed to break into the industry and then all of a sudden they're singing lead in the West End or they've got a part on a TV, you know, what I mean, like a, a soap opera or something. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's that's something that's going away business wise. I see it. You know, you need to show a sure thing. You need to guarantee revenue. You need to guarantee ticket sales. Yeah. Um, and that pressure isn't going to that's not going away. Um, I don't think these people have cheated their way into their their roles. Um, I just think that the industry is evolving and the requirements for a role are changing. Once upon a time, maybe they were casting someone that's just like you, Darren, that's like six foot with blue eyes that can sing in a certain range. Yeah,
0: I never got the job.
1: But, you know, once upon a time, that was yeah. a casting requirement. But now it's also, if they're going to be playing the lead, they also need to have a certain draw or a certain following to get them.
0: Yeah, it's de- it's, to de- get like them- you say, it's definitely evolved. And I think even you'll see that now with casting and, and whatever it is, if you, the more things you can do and the more versed you are as a performer, the more opportunities that are out there for you. And, um, you know, actually quite a lot yeah. of cele- celebrities I've seen or people that have done that avenue are actually trained uh performers they have been and you just didn't know them for that so um yeah it's a it's a good debate I think that hopefully people will talk about um from this but it's interesting to see whether that sometimes has a knock-on effect with that question of being is an entertainment job a real career
1: yeah I think my last thought on that um if I can shed uh, just an idea um comes from a managerial like a self-help managerial book that I I read recently Um, and it was about other people getting promotions and and I'm talking about this broadly now not just in that casting that stunt casting sort of uh, vein but it was about if someone gets a job that you wanted you can spend a lot of time finding the excuses of why that person got that break and you didn't and often you will stack things up like Oh, they only got that because they know this person, or they only got that opportunity because they're friends with this person, and um, which may may be the case, um, or maybe a factor. But there's also a certain base requirement to these people doing that job mm-hmm. as well. So you know they're not going to stunt cast somebody in a show that cannot sing a note or that cannot um, dance. Within a, certain, within a certain sort of um, standard. Yeah. Or maybe it's a job with a production team. Uh, maybe this person did get a job because they had a connection, but they also have to have a rudimentary background, and experience, or at least be able to pick up the skills that are necessary. I think there is a reason why these people get their jobs. And rather than looking at all of the reasons why they got it and you didn't, you need to look at yourself and be like, How can I better my position to be that guy or be that girl next time?
0: No, good. Yeah, what was it? Do you you happen to know what the name of that book was? Sorry.
1: Oh gosh, I think it was the um, Happiness Advantage by Sean Archer.
0: Good read. All right. Moving away from that, so um, obviously for us, uh, entertainment has been our career and it's proven, you know, with the successes and travel and uh, everything that we've done. So if you are listening to this and thinking, you know, uh, you've had the same kind of experiences, there is a whole career out there and many different avenues that you can, you know, keep you in a career, hopefully for as long as uh, you want to work. Cool. So, Lee, um, what's been your greatest uh, professional achievement
1: this far? My greatest professional achievement—I I would have to say—I know working uh,
0: with me was pretty top of the list.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, but you were actually present for for one of one of my achievements. Oh, yes, I goodness. guess because um, I won—I I won the leader of the That's year right. for the Carnival Splendor 2019, and having moved into a, a more managerial realm within the industry. Being recognised by those that I work alongside um, and to have my my team members um, nominate me and to eventually win that award was so incredibly humbling.
0: That's a great great achievement.
1: yeah, that was that was amazing. Um, and also leading the guests, this is like a two-year-old story now that I will never stop telling, um, but leading the guests um, on one of our journey's cruises to raise $40,000 for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital um, and to be a part of that process with, with Monroe Moore was just... Yeah, you, 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 you guys did road.
0: a phenomenal job. And Monroe Moore is an entertainment director, if, if you're wondering who he is. Um, yeah, you guys really set the level and did some great things for that charity. That was fantastic. Yes. Well done. Kudos Thank to you. you. Thank you very Um, much. in regards to, so obviously that's a, a great high in your career. Um, is there been a really difficult experience within the industry that you've had and how did you overcome that?
1: Um, I, I mean, with a pandemic aside, cause that's universal. Um, One of my hardest, toughest moments was when I was trying so hard to be promoted to be cruise director. Breaking down the wall between assistant cruise director and cruise director and getting that opportunity was one of the hardest times for me professionally, I think.
0: Um, What what kind of were you feeling during that? Why was it so difficult?
1: A little helpless because it um, it was out of my control. And despite me believing that I had the, the appropriate skills and qualities and maturity and that I had the relevant experience, knowledge and understanding, it was someone else's decision and it was completely out of my right. hands, right? Um, and trying to prove yourself to somebody but not knowing the requirements um, felt impossible. With a little hindsight, I also realized that there's so many factors into that, like an appropriate opportunity being yeah. available and you know it not being the decision of a sole person often those decisions are made by a a team a group of people and you can have one person that thinks you're ideal but maybe someone else has got reservations um that was a a real a real struggle for me a bitter pill to kind of swallow that it was something that i couldn't affect it was it was out of my control um I think it's very easy for people in, in that position to get bitter. And I have been sort of, I flirted with that, that sort of (laughs) bitterness, um, on occasion with, with various different situations. Um, and I think I'm very proud to say that I've kind of rose above it. Eventually, always with a mindset of, you can only control what's within your means. So so, would and that, you say
0: like a lesson from that would be? so I found in my career perseverance. You, you know, persevere with it, and you know, still have your eye on what you want to do, and you'll be able to achieve that. Or do you feel like sometimes that can be completely out of your your realm of what you can make happen?
1: I would say perseverance, persistence, a key. They were they were huge, huge um, sort of. Um, I was going to say mantras, but that's not it. <laughs> Uh, they, they were kind of cornerstones of my professional endeavors um, early on in my career to keep pushing, to keep trying and um, to not give up. And I think there just comes a time everything runs its course and you will either make it or another opportunity will present itself that tempts you, that, that has bears more right. fruit than your current the, the, your current pursuit yeah,
0: no 100 percent. and i think you you've shown that um that you've you've got to where you wanted to go right you did persevere and you like say had that great attitude so yeah for anyone listening listen to to what lee is saying because it, it really helps him and his whole outlook and bigger picture of the bigger picture sometimes i think some people can be narrow sighted and just see what's directly in front of them instead of seeing that big picture and i think that's really helped you Um, along the way just from this short time that I've known you
1: yeah thank you I i I, it's it's, every day is a school day as they say right it's a lesson that I keep having to to review especially in the current climate Um, but just control what you can control keep keep turning up keep showing up Uh, and even if even if times are hard keep showing up and doing the very best you can do Focus on what's directly in front of you and focus on doing the best job you can at the job you have, because that's going to put you in the best position to level up when the time is Great right. advice.
0: Write that down, everybody. Write that yeah. down. Great advice. So um, obviously talking a little bit about that. So do you think... Um, you know, you've got any unique skills that have helped you become successful or a skill that has, uh, you know, lifted you to that next level and made you so successful uh, in the realm that you're working?
1: No, I wouldn't say that I have a a, <laughs> a unique skill. Um, I would say that maybe I've m- managed to keep my focus in the right place for the for the majority of the time um just to call back to what we were discussing at the start of this recording this episode um and that was my value of the people value of my my audience the value of my team um and keeping those those people within my within my sights and making them the reason why I'm doing it i think sometimes people can get a little lost in their own ego and their own success mm-hmm. yeah I I, for me, I think one of my virtues rather than I don't think it's a skill, but I've always strived to remain personable, remain humble, and to to stay focused on my people rather than on myself. I love it.
0: Love it. Sounds good.
1: So, um, is there anything
0: as we're coming towards the end of this, uh, podcast uh, episode, um, anything that you wish you had known before you'd started out in the industry, anything that, you know, come along the way you thought I did not know that maybe I wouldn't have got into this or it's kind of what you expected. Anything you wish you would, you would have
1: known? Um, I just wish I had the, the insight that I have now, um, that it's, it's okay to veer from the path. In my early career, I was just so set on making it as a performer, and that's all I wanted to do. I wanted to perform um, in, in any platform, in any arena, but I wanted to make my money from being a performer. Right. And I think if I'd have stayed open to other jobs within the industry – Because there were times in my career where I could have maybe found this managerial area a little sooner. My job in Hong Kong presented that. um, And I worked for a company in the UK managing entertainment and holiday resorts before I I went to work on cruise ships. And I did that for a very short time and left to go and chase performing again.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that's because that was a niche that I hadn't quite soothed. And I felt that I wanted to be a performer and I'd committed because I trained that I needed to be making my money from acting, singing or dancing. There were so many lessons that I learned in my training that I apply to my work every single day.
0: Right. I think, I think like, like you say there, um, there is this expectation of when you first start out in the industry, that this is what you Set out to do, and you're going to do it. And sometimes the harsh reality, you know, for for me, uh, in particular, musical theatre uh, may not have the right look or the right sound, or was either too poppy or too tall, um, you know. But unless I went and, and gave it my all and tried it for that certain amount of time, and I thought, you know what, it's not happening. Okay, again, reevaluate. Let's take a different path. And that's kind of what I did. So I think that's um, a good outlook for anyone starting in the industry yes be open yes you might have a goal you want to be uh, you know a, an actor in a, a tv show and if you've tried and you've worked hard enough and it's not quite working out either evaluate why it's not or look at different opportunities that may blossom for you and be better for you uh, i think that would be a great outlook
1: yeah and you know you never know when things are going to come around again as well you you know doors are never fully closed unless you unless you make a point of doing yeah and
0: that you'll well. see some performers uh you know don't have early on success in their career but you know mid mid career or uh, slightly older in their career they're, they're getting different roles or being suitable for other things so like I say there are many opportunities and I think you just need to as long as you're honest with yourself and open you can you know make it and it might happen later on in life or what is making it to Absolutely. some person is very different to what somebody else for me. I'm very content in what I do and I'm happy to do that and, and keep progressing in that area. So great. All right. The yeah, last yeah. Uh, question I've got for you uh, to wrap this uh, uh, podcast up, Industry Insights. Um, what advice would you give to someone wanting to enter uh, enter the entertainment industry? Oh, that's one. a big one. Okay. You can um, sum it up if you want in if, three, if, three words or you can, you know, give me... Something big.
1: <laughs> if we're talking about someone looking to go into um, musical, musical theatre and stuff, my three words would be learn to dance, <laughs> um, sing now. <laughs> uh, that, yeah, and sing. Um, but for me, I just say just live your best life, enjoy yourself, make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons, because the best performers and the best entertainers. They're not just doing a job. They are thriving. They are the captivating performances. And whether you're talking about, um, you know, someone in the West End or incredible actors like Daniel Day-Lewis or, you know, Heath Ledger. I watched a documentary about Heath um, the other day. Uh, and, you know, that role when he played the the Joker in Batman, he was so fulfilled and he was he was absolutely living for for the work that he was doing um and and I think that's got to be it just enjoy it and if you're not enjoying it something's right. not right exactly
0: so uh, like I always say as a performer entertainer I I live to work and I, it doesn't feel like work I just love it I enjoy it yes it's difficult it's challenging but I wake up loving it and enjoying it and embracing it so i think that is some perfect advice i think i just want to ask you real specific to what your speciality is your current um sector of the the industry the the cruising industry if someone was listening today that wanted to um, get into that industry how would they do that what advice would you give them
1: uh cruising entertainment uh, i'd say um you're going to have to start from the bottom I did, um, but when you say start from the bottom in light of a cruise ship, everyone thinks I've got to go and I don't know, like wash the dishes or, or clean the cabins, um, and they're, they're jobs that are done by great people. Don't think I'm putting them down, but no, I mean you need to start as a team member. When I started on a ship, I started as an ent- uh, like an entertainer in the shows. When I decided I wanted to move over and be a cruise director, I was a host. Then I was a bingo host, and I, you know, I was a, a DJ for a little while. And I built up my experience. Don't ignore the the, the journey of that. Um, so if you want to get a job on a cruise ship, um, there's plenty of platforms. There's agencies out there as well that specialize in, in sourcing staff members for the cruise industry. Um, I'd say you can always apply to Cruise Lines directly. Uh, our our current company, I'll say it, I'll name them, Um Carnival Carnival Cruise Line have got their own website, carnivalentertainment.com, and you can look at all of the the positions available there with a breakdown of the job requirements and um the, the basic job description. So definitely check it out. Um and and enjoy. I hope I get to sail with you soon if you're an inspired uh, Cruiser, um, come and come and watch it. <laughs> come and see what it's
0: all about. Um, fantastic. Thank you very much, Lee. Uh, for anyone listening, I will be uh sharing Lee's platforms that you can reach out to him or follow him and see what he's doing. Um, and if you have any further questions, you can reach out to to myself. And I'm sure Lee wouldn't even mind you reaching out to him. Um But thank you so much, Lee. Thank you for uh, joining me, uh, Industry Insights with me, DPDS. Thank you very much. Um, It was fantastic to listen to your story. Um, I know that you're going to continue to be successful. Um, And once we get out of this uh, pause, this pandemic, um, I'm really excited to see the rest of your journey. And hopefully, uh, you know, further down the line, we can reconnect and tell our listeners what you've been up to then. So thank you very much. Everybody round of applause for Lee Mason thanks again for joining me on industry insights with dpds it's been a pleasure having you we will see you next week for our next episode where i'll be interviewing more entertainment industry professionals sharing their stories until then you can follow me on instagram facebook and all the links will be provided in this podcast until then enjoy your morning afternoon or evening and most of all stay safe